Welcome to Screens of the Stone Age, the podcast where scientists review movies about prehistoric people. My name is Josh Lindell. I'm a grad student studying Neanderthal teeth, and I'm here with... I'm Kimberly Plomp. I am a bioarchaeologist. I study human health and disease and evolution. And I'm Ross Barnett, a polygeneticist working on big cats and saber-toots. And today we're talking about the movie Troll from 2022. This is the newest movie I think we've ever reviewed. Uh, as of uh, yesterday when I watched it, it was still in the Netflix top 10 in Canada. It's going to be 2023 when this episode comes out, I think. So it won't actually be in the same year, but it's still a pretty recent uh, movie. We do a lot of really old 60s and 70s movies on this podcast. So it's interesting to watch something brand new. Um, who wants to summarize this movie? I think Kim should. Okay. I did the last one. Okay. <laughs> um, so it opens up in Norway beautiful rural Norway and there's a young girl who's mountain climbing with her father and you can tell they have quite a good relationship and they get up to the top of the mountain and they take a rest and they look out over the mountain you see a beautiful on the other side of the valley you see another cliff edge and it's quite beautiful with different um, shapes in it right natural shapes and then they start talking about how the dad raised her telling her fairy tales about the trolls in the mountains and how the mountains that they were looking at were the seven trolls was that right seven trolls and the myth behind 13, that I think. 13 trolls the myth behind that is that um the trolls were at a troll wedding and drank too much and had too much fun and the sun came up and turned them to stone so that they became the mountain and the girl was getting too old for this stuff and she said that i don't believe in fairy tales anymore and he said to her it's not that you have to see to believe it, it's that you have to believe to see it. And then so for a split second when she tried to believe, she saw the faces in the cliff. And then it jumps to, what, I don't know, 30 years later, 20 years later. She's an adult. She's now a paleontologist. Um, but instead Ooh. of, yeah, <laughs> instead of excavating um, and looking for fossils, she's just kind of haphazardly using this shovel to just dig around in random spots <laughs> really aggressively um but she finds a dinosaur that way beautiful looks like a some kind of tyrannosaur gull um ross would know better than me though i don't think it was rex but it was a some kind of tyrannosaur and um it had the backwards teeth right the curved teeth like tyrannosaurus had yeah mm. anyways it's beautiful. She didn't break it with the um, somehow. She didn't break it with the aggressive shoveling, but then it was also, um, it was also easy enough for her to just wipe the mud away to really expose it. Then um, something happens. So we go flash over to this big corporation who's putting through a tunnel through the mountain for a new road, and there's protesters saying, "Don't destroy the mountain, preserve nature," and then so people are are you know TikToking and instagramming and videoing all of their protesting and then in that while that's happening all of a sudden during with the tunneling there's an explosion in the mountain and a lot of those people died because rocks came flying out and the mountain just exploded on them and then so they call for a national emergency because they don't know what's happened and for some reason they call the paleontologist 
Did I miss something there? Was there a reason why she was called? I think because she was just nearby and she knows about rocks. She wasn't that nearby. She had to get in a helicopter and fly there, right? Mm. It's not like she was beside it. I mean, a geologist would be better. So she's in this war room with the prime minister and some military guys and some politicians. And they're trying to figure out how they're going to, you know, what is this national emergency? Is there going to be more mountain collapses, all this and stuff? And then somebody, this hacker girl, finds actual footage from one of the protesters. And so they show the footage and it just shows the mountain exploding. And of course, the paleontologist has a keen eye. So she says, wait, stop, go back. And she goes and she looks. And then she's the only one that catches it at first. But then they pause the movie. And then in the dust, you see this giant form that looks like a giant troll. So then she's like, well, it seems to me like it's a giant creature that's come out of the mountain. And everybody's like, that you're insane. And then she's like well i don't want to say it's troll i'm going to go try very hard to not say it's troll but i'm just going to say it's an unknown creature it starts to become more and more obvious that it's probably a troll and so now she has to go and see her estranged father because he's their relationship has crumbled because he's gotten more and more into the troll conspiracy theories and so she (laughs) left him behind kind of and so but now he's now the troll expert in the country so she goes to talk to him, still not accepting that it's a troll, but thinking that maybe in his conspiracies there might be some information that might help them understand what's going on. don't really remember what happens in the middle. Then they go <laughs> to... Finally, the troll comes out. They see the troll. So it's a mountain troll. So it's made of rock and earth, right? So it's not made of flesh. It's made of rock and earth. And then they... The army is trying to destroy it, but none of their firearms destroys it. And so the father kind of says, well, why are we trying to destroy it? Why are we even being mean to it? And this is a theme we see come up again in lots of movies. Like, why don't we talk to it? It's just a creature that's woken up after however long, centuries, thousands of years or whatever. And it doesn't know what time period it is. Everything has changed and it's alone. Why don't we talk to it? So he tries to talk to it and we get a glimpse at that moment that the troll is good because he does, the troll kind of stops to listen and then, but then the army shoots it again. So then he gets angry and walks away. And then he gets, he's getting closer and closer to Norway. No, he stops at a town first, at a troll town, actually, like a, a tourist trap for troll stuff. And then, so he comes up and everybody's scattering and he's stepping on things and it's all the chaos, all the tourists running very, what is that, Jurassic World-ish, right? And then um, there's a little boy and the little boy is about to get crushed by one of the helicopters that the troll knocks out of the air, but then the troll grabs the helicopter right before the boy's about to get crushed, thereby saving the boy, which indicates to the paleontologist and the people paying attention that the troll doesn't want to hurt harmless people. It only wants to eat the army people shooting it and Christians, because that's a key thing too. (laughs) So trolls apparently, and I look to see this, so there's some Norwegian fairy tales um, folklore in this, so the trolls don't like Christians, so it's they're pre-Christian creatures, so they don't like, they got angry at the Christianity of Norway, and so they can smell Christians' blood, and they don't like the sound of church bells. And so there's one guy, when the troll is attacking, he's praying, and so he gets eaten by the troll, because the troll could then smell him, because he's praying in a Christian prayer. Uh, now I'm just, now I'm rambling and losing the plot. Um, okay, so then... <laughs> The troll is now making its way to Oslo, and everybody's freaking out because they can't—they can't seem to kill it. They don't know what to do. 
Um, and it's obviously going to destroy Oslo, so they have to evacuate Oslo, which is a really big issue and scary and expensive and whether they can even do it or not. And at this point, the paleontologist has finally pieced together stuff from her father's journal. Oh, because her father died too. The troll accidentally killed her father. Not on purpose, though. And Ross, you're so much better at this than I am. No, no, this is great. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So... Finally, she figures out that her dad, the, her, his final words to her were the palace, the king, and home. So she goes through his journal to try and find all those conspiracy theory stuff. And then she puts together that what he means is like the Norwegian royal palace, which is in Oslo, on the kind of the top of a small hill. And that mythologically, that is where the king, troll king's home used to be, too. So she thinks, okay, well, the troll is probably going home to his castle. So then she goes and she meets this creepy guy that lives in the castle or the palace. We never meet, like, the king or anything. He's just there and he knows her father, but they didn't get along because his fa- her father, all the conspiracy that he was coming up with ended up being true. And so this man had to, like, paint her father as crazy, which wouldn't have been that hard to do, really, right? Um, so that people wouldn't believe what he was saying so that they, he could hide his secret because what he was hiding is the giant remains of the king, troll king's palace, which is full of the skeletal remains of the troll king's family that was murdered by humans, Christians, I think, back when there was the human troll wars. And um, so the story is that they killed all of its family members except for one child, which they used to lure, they used the child to lure the king to the other mountain where it was into the deep and put it to sleep. So there's, it's full of really cool troll skeletons, even though I don't know what the skeleton would be of if it's rock and earth, but, um, and then, so the troll is obviously going there. So they need to either, they need to make it so the troll doesn't get to Oslo or kill it or do something. They need to stop it some way. And obviously the military is not doing it. The military is just making them more angry. And so she realizes that what they need is direct sunlight to turn the, the troll into stone, but because it's nighttime, so they have to get as much UV lights as they can. And she knows this because she uses a UV light to look at fossils for biological um, stuff. I don't know. It was, it was really bad signs. We'll talk about that. So she always has one in her pocket because that's a key thing for paleontologists to have around is a little UV light. So she fig- found out that that kills them, turns them to stone. So then she set up, sets up this plan to lure the king away from Oslo and have the military set up um, to do the UV lights when ready. And so to get the king to come away from the palace and towards where the UV lights are, they take his a skull of one of his infants, dead infants, which I thought was really horrible, like so freaking dark. So they put it on the back of a pickup truck and drive it away. So the troll king sees like the skull of its infant child being drove driven away. So it starts to chase it. And then the skull falls off of the um, truck and breaks, which then the troll king cries and sings this really like, really sad crying and like i honestly two tears came out it was really sad (laughs) and um and then he gets really angry obviously because now like that was the last part that he had of his family now it's dust and so then he starts to chase the truck again and then finally they get um him into the spot where the football is supposed to happen the soccer the world cup i think or the norwegian cup 
so it's in this big circle and then the uv lights go on and then eventually it turns the king to stone and he collapses but they they kind of st- they have the classic kind of final act thing of oh no we're hurting the big bad thing that's right. killed all these people maybe yeah. we shouldn't be do that and so they the paleontologist chick switches off all the uv lights but right. but then the sun has risen and he just turns to stone because of the sunlight and ends up being like a nice feature in the park. But I mean, it's kind of this one of these things where she says, so she says to him, just go away, go back into the mountains, go back to sleep. We won't kill you. We don't want to kill you. Just go somewhere safe. But I got the feeling, I don't know if I was just putting a lot of emotion into it at this point, but he didn't want to. I mean, there's, he just, his entire family is dead. Everything is gone. His time is gone. And it's mm. horrible. So like, why go back to sleep under a mountain again? So he didn't rush away yeah. when the sun was coming up. Nope. But where is a, a skyscraper-sized troll going to go when the sun comes up? That That's sort of the problem with uh, trolls this big, just the concept in general, where if you turn to stone in the sunlight, then like, how do you hide from that? Apart from just staying underground the entire time, but you have to have a cave that's big enough. Yeah. Well, there, there's also the weirdness of why in broad sunlight, Earlier in the film, it doesn't turn to stone. And they kind of wave that away as saying it wasn't direct. It wasn't direct sunlight. So is it was, the answer, yeah, it was cloudy. Yeah, is the answer then <laughs> that he had to hide somewhere where in the far north where it's like cloudy and um, not bright. And that's fine. Yeah. I mean, I would assume too that it would be like vampires where they know they know when the sun is coming up. Like if it was that important for you, if you died when the sun came up, you would know when the sun was coming up right? Like you would have an internal mm. clock that would be like, I got two hours left. He would have known yeah. the sun was coming up. Yeah. I don't know. I once became a vampire in oblivion and every single day when the sun came up, it was like, oh shit, the sun's coming up. I got to get inside before I die. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, this is a video game, Kim. You look confused. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, this is a new part of Josh. <laughs> Did you know that was a video game, Ross? Uh, I, I pieced it together <laughs> from the context, um, but one of the one of the, the kind of the um, cool things I thought was that when they when she discovers that it's um, UV that they they need to to kill the troll from her little torch, they set up this trap for him in the Norwegian park. But uh, what I thought was a cool little um, like bit of almost humor was that they set up what is essentially a big circle of uh, sunbeds. That's where they got enough UV lamps. That's what they've got to to fight against the troll is uh, sunbeds, which I'm I'm sure are probably a big business in Norway, and that's how they're able to get so many sunbeds at short notice. I enjoyed it, even with the bad paleontology. Yeah, it kind of it kind of rollicks along with uh, it. Just kind of gathers pace and it doesn't slow down. Mm-hmm. And then, because if it did, you'd have time to think about how ridiculous everything is, and it wouldn't work. Yeah, um, but but also has the classic kind of just when you think the troll is destroyed and everyone's happy, you hear some more kind of roaring from inside the Dover Mountain where the first troll came from, suggesting that there might be more. Yes. Well, there was his supposed to be his child that they lured him down there with, right? Or was he the child, and it was the king that that's woken up? I, I don't know. That was, was that explained? King. I thought it was the king. Hmm. I don't know. Well, should we start by talking about the paleontology scenes? Oh, yeah. Scene? Yes. 
So she was stressed and her, she was almost going to lose the dig because she, they were digging all along that coastline and they weren't finding it for six months and they hadn't found anything. So they were going to close up the dig and end it. And she just kept saying, no, I have faith that it's here. I have faith that there's something here. But generally when we choose excavation sites, we're going on more than faith. We're going on like (laughs) (laughs) reasons why, like um, geology, geography. um, So like educated guesses as to where things, where you might find things. Um, it didn't Absolutely. seem to me like it's... any of that was limestone or anything that would actually have house fossils. It was just mud. And uh... especially, you know, Norway, which uh, I mean, there's not a lot of it was covered in ice for most of the past sort of three million years, which will have done a number on mm-hmm. um, kind of recent sedimentary stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there is actually any kind of dinosaur bearing strata in norway i should have looked that up i know i should have looked that up too definitely in the the kind of norwegian territories places like svalbard and and kind of further north some of the islands up in the in the arctic have if not dinosaurs then definitely kind of mesozoic fossils there so norway does have dinosaurs the best known one is the platyosaurus okay but it wasn't found in mud i'm assuming i doubt it no and then you also don't um when you're looking for things like fossils or artifacts or burials you don't go shovel first very aggressively into the ground (laughs) that's how you end up with a broken skull Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or a broken shovel or a broken shovel (laughs) yes and then you would lose all the information about the layers and the context and all that stuff so excavation is done a little bit more uh measured than that you know, if if faith could find you fossils, then every vicar would be a paleontologist. Mm-hmm. But I found that they were pushing that really hard at the beginning. They were saying, like, I have faith that it's here. I have faith that it's here. And I was wondering if it was going to get religious. I hate that. But it didn't get religious. Yeah. The Christian person got eaten, then it kind of was just the end of that. <laughs> so. I think it was maybe kind of subtle, um, kind of Odin uh, propaganda. Like, Odin you know, <laughs> it didn't. It didn't say she was having faith in the Christian God. She could be having no. faith in in Loki or Thor or, or yeah. any of the, the kind of OG pantheon. Hmm. It was interesting because it was uh, seemingly anti-religious and yet still interested in faiths. And the faith was really more about like folklore and fairy tales. Yeah. So yeah, more like sort of a believing in Santa kind of feel rather than a believing in Jesus kind of feel. Yes. But this is the paradox. I mean, what really annoys me is that, oh yeah, you got to have faith. But then they show you that trolls are real. So what are you, what are you, having faith in i mean that's objectively real trolls are objectively real in this film universe so you don't need yeah. to have faith to to for for trolls to be real so what what do you have to have faith in well she had to have uh, faith that no the dinosaur was going to find a dinosaur at the shore <laughs> that's where she and yeah. then you had to have faith in her what was the end to it was that you have to have faith in your like she had to have faith in her father or their stories or the fairy tales or something like that i don't really mm. know what the um what was the like what's the word that like kids when you watch a show the moral yeah what's the moral of the story like what did we what was the takeaway uh that uv sunbeds are bad for your skin (laughs) yeah you know i thought there was going to be an environmentalism message like uh in iceland uh and probably other scandinavian countries where you have this 
folklore about fairies and elves living in the rocks and how like they'll divert roads around these uh, sort of rock features in Iceland. Um, Because they started with a protest Mm -hmm. uh, about building the road through this mountain and destroying nature, but then they really didn't build on that either by the end. So I thought it was really, yeah. It is hard to tell what the message is. Yeah. And I kind of thought with all the like leading up with the Christian stuff and the faith that I thought it was going to come down to like the old, olden, like pre-Christian to Christian and like Christian Christianity was going to win. I really thought that was going to come part of it, but I was relieved when Mm. it didn't. I think one of the, one of the take-home messages from the film is that uh, the Norwegian government seems to be really fucked up if, if that's how they kind of organize um, kind of response to any kind of threat. Could you imagine? They, they have the prime. Sorry, I was just going to say, like, <laughs> her getting called in is just as, like, weak any of us could get called in. Could you imagine, like, yeah. if something happens and then they call you in and you're in this, like, war room and you're like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it looks like a troll. Everyone should believe me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought I oh, heard a geez. growl. <gasps> <laughs> One of the things this movie does is it just sort of pulls inspiration from a lot of different Hollywood movies. Like, it's kind of like Jurassic Park meets King Kong meets Independence Day, right? Yeah, yeah. So, like, this concept of pulling in scientists that don't seem to have any relationship to what's actually going on is pretty persistent. Like, you've got Jurassic Park where he calls in a chaotician to to review his theme park, right? You've got... um, uh, what's that more recent one? Arrival, where you have this linguist, uh, ling- linguist, linguist that gets uh, pulled into. Uh, that makes a little more sense because she's trying to talk with the aliens. Yeah. Uh, have you guys ever seen uh, the movie Sphere or read the book by Michael Crichton? No, I, like I've seen I, the I, mean, movie, I remember when it came I'm... out in the in the nineties, and it's the kind of film that I would have seen. I can't remember why I didn't. It was one of my favorite books when I was young, but uh, I don't know how the movie doesn't actually hold up that great. Mm. But uh, they find an alien spaceship on the bottom of the ocean. And again, they pull in a team of like sort of random scientists from all kinds of different backgrounds. And so I think maybe the general idea is the like diversity of perspective leads to uh, more like more what's the word I'm looking for? Like diversity of uh representation possibility interpret interpretations yeah you get you get yet more interpretations out of it mm. but that would only make sense if they brought in like the prime yeah. minister is like we need to get geologists and archaeologists and then they pull in one paleontologist and that seems to be all they need yeah <laughs> there there's some quite nice bits in it though you talked about how it kind of pulls from lots of hollywood films one, one of the best bits i thought was just after the trolls escaped from under the mountain and it's kind of rampaging leaving footprints across the countryside and it kind of tracks to um a nearby village and there's an old couple sitting uh just having a chat in their in their lovely little norwegian house and they're having a cup of tea (laughs) yeah and you get the jurassic park style um water ripples in the cup of tea uh as the troll is kind of striding across the landscape i thought that was quite fun yeah there was a lot of fun things like when the politician guy um the like aide to the prime minister quits he he's one of the good guys like on the team of being nice to the troll and something happens like they're just finally not listening to him so he he realizes that he needs to just leave that room and go with the paleontologist and they need to do what they're going to do without the government involved so he's going to quit because he doesn't feel respected either so he's like he does this really cool moment where he takes his um like his badge off 
<laughs> and he ha- puts it down in pr- front of the prime minister. And he's like, you can consider this my retirement. And then strolls out of the room really cool. But then he, before he gets out of the room, the door is locked because he obviously needs his passcode in like in the card still to <laughs> yeah. get out of the door. And so he has to go back and pick it up. I thought that was really funny. Yeah. Yeah, there are definitely some good moments. I also like, you know, it's just, it's kind of quite a crazy ride. So they, they, She's thinking about how to how to combat the troll, and she thinks about the folklore and like, yeah, isn't there one story where they're scared of church bells? And so, like, mm-hmm. it kind of instantly switches to them in a fleet of helicopters with church bells on them, like flying <laughs> it towards the troll. Um, that, that was yeah. quite nuts. In a very pop, that was when they're in the tourist parks. That was a super populated yeah. area, and they just pissed it off. It's yeah. essentially all they did. Yeah, and- I don't know what the plan was supposed to be because the story was that they're they don't like church bells, uh, which actually that, that ties into like um, sort of real mythology in Scandinavia because uh, they use that to explain like glacial boulders that you find dotting the landscape. They say that these they the trolls throw boulders at the churches, and so when you find a big boulder just lying out in the open, it's because a troll threw it, mm-hmm. which is kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. But if if they don't like church bells, so they throw boulders at churches, what did they think they were going to accomplish by bringing a bunch of church bells on helicopters? Because the immediate thing he does is picks up a building and throws it at the helicopter, which how did you not expect that's what's going to happen? Yeah. And then also talking about the capabilities of the Norwegian army, they're flying helicopters within arm's reach and they all get plucked out of the sky yes, why didn't they just back too. up of you know a couple dozen <laughs> yeah. meters i know they're also like they were so close to him and then surprised when he just reached out and grabbed them on on the plus side for the norwegian uh air force you know they managed to get four church bells at very short notice um yes <laughs> somehow yes. which is quite impressive when you think about it uh, yeah, also as a matter of physics, the way those church bells are dangling under the helicopters, I feel like that's going to throw off your balance in the helicopter and make it crash, right? You can't just dangle a heavy church bell. No. Mm. Or why not just record the churches and then play them through a loudspeaker? <laughs> yeah. <sighs> but the, so that was in that scene too is when he saved the little boy. And so we see that he's not really all that bad. And that reminded me of those like old those old movies that we watch with the dinosaurs where the dinosaurs are just existing and the people are just attacking them because they're dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. And that's what that kind of reminded me of. I'm like, yes, he's stepping on stuff and he's, you know, he's not paying attention to what he's stepping on when he's walking through, but they didn't he's, even He's basically really the stay marshmallow them. man, isn't he? It's just, yeah. he can't avoid stepping on things. Yeah. He's not inherently good or bad. He's just trying to no, get along. No, he's just and- going home. Yeah, uh, and we're the assholes that buried him under the mountain in the first place, so he's, he's yeah. got every right to be pissed off. Yep. Well, and killed his entire family before we did so too. Yeah, yeah. We definitely don't come out looking like the good guys. Um, no, he he should have been way angrier. Okay, so here's a thing which might relate to the English translation because most of the movie is in Norwegian. Uh, I assume you watched either with subtitles or with uh, the dub, which it has yeah. both of on Netflix. I did subtitles. But in both of them, sort of in the beginning when she's taking her notes in her notebook initially, just sort of like writing down random words as they come to her, one of the things when she's looking at the footprints is she says it's natural, almost like too natural. Then she writes down and says hypernature. Yeah. 
I googled and, that. Uh, what does that mean? Term. I doesn't. It's I googled like an architectural it it, landscaping thing, right? Yeah. So it's and and also um, like CGI, like a design thing. So it's a it's a landscape that's so beautiful or so whatever that it's unnatural. Like it's so. I don't know. I forget what it's like. Said. Uncanny Valley for for um, yes, landscapes. Nature. Yes. An actual uncanny exactly. valley. Yeah. But that can't be what she meant because they were looking at a footprint, no. which was basically just a big hole dug in the ground. Well, and she so. uses it for the smell of him too, right? Because she smells him before they see him in one of the scenes. Because he smells like hyper nature, which I'm guessing is just like mud and grass. and. <laughs> yeah. Maybe a bit musky, skunky, I don't know. Well, he's probably gone a few thousand years without a shower, so. Yeah, same with her dad. He looked pretty stinky too. Yeah. <laughs> there, there's quite a funny bit where they meet the dad and he, and he comes out and then you realize he's got no trousers on. Uh, yeah, but after like five minutes, which is really funny. <laughs> you know, suspect is pantsless. Repeat, pantsless. <laughs> okay, uh, there's a little bit of uh, science-y jargon dialogue that we can uh, dissect a little bit. So one of the things she says at some point is, this might be a translation thing as well. She says the largest primates on Earth are only 10 to 13 feet. Mm. Uh, but she must mean the largest primates on Earth were only 10 to 13 feet because there's no living primates that are that tall. And of course, she's talking about Gigantopithecus, mm. right? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's that was how I interpreted it. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, when she's talking to her father, uh, again, sort of unclear what she's trying to get because it's clearly a troll and yet she knows her father is the troll expert, but she's trying to get him to give her an answer that's biological and not mythological. So she says to him, uh, you know, a thousand years is just a blip in the evolutionary process. If the trolls really lived here, scientists would have found DNA profiles or troll fossils in sedimentary rocks and their extinction could be explained. Uh, so the fossils is one thing because they... Kim, you said they're made out of stone and earth, but they do have skeletons because and they, their flesh can decompose is the implication of that. So even though they're camouflaged, that's another word she wrote down in her book. Uh, and there's a good camouflage reveal scene where they're like the, to the topography has changed and then the mountain turns in its eye opens up and stands mm -hmm. up, which is pretty that's a pretty fun scene. Mm -hmm. But they must not be actually made of rocks because they have skeletons and they can decompose, right? But then, so when he dies, though, at the end, they start to try and, because he collapses into a pile of rocks and dirt. So, and then they're like, well, should we name this new hill? Is that hill just going to decompose now and be super smelly and gross as like a giant troll body decomposes into a skeleton? Or is it going to be a mountain? No, that's because they, that's because trolls turn into stone in the sunlight. So oh, he wasn't right, stone, right, but he right, turned yes. into stone when the sun rose. So and then the other ones that were dead were underground, so they hadn't been exposed to sunlight. Hmm. Ah. But, so I wonder if they look I mean, different when they're underground than what he looked like. But I mean, it, it, they, kind of, they kind of ignored their own in-movie logic. I mean, it, it doesn't really... If they're made from rocks and stone, and the reason why you haven't found any fossils of them is because whenever they're exposed to sunlight, they turn into rocks essentially they turn it out so that's great and there's your explanation for why there's no fossils and no scientific evidence for trolls because they're in the mountains they're yeah. in that 13 troll wedding uh mountain and all around norway but then if you have 
later on you have them having skeletons if they die and decompose underground then you know how i mean it doesn't make sense for them to have skeletons (laughs) at all yeah also the skeletons the thousand year old skeletons turn to stone under uv light because that's how she figured it out she shined her uv light on the skeletons to analyze them for science yeah. right she's like oh skeletons i need to shine my uv light to figure out what did mm-hmm. she say she was doing with it looking for biological traces that's what she was yeah. doing in the footprint as well she's shining her uv light and the guy says what are you doing she says i'm looking for biological traces and she's like nope no signs of life even though yeah. it's dirt so it's full of grass and microbes and what kind of paleontologist, what kind of fossils is this dinosaur paleontologist going to be finding that'll have biological traces? None, like a risk, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> uh. So they also like in the same folklore where they say like the poem that they say where that that they're made of earth and stone. They also it says earth. They're made of earth and stone, something something and icy bones. So I I thought that their skeleton would be ice. Yeah, that would so be good. So it should have been, should have been a a pond, yeah, underneath the palace. Absolutely, or you know, even if they just had like them as stone, like a stone that looked like a a, a troll's head, that would have been more yeah. logical. Because the bones, I mean, clearly the the infant bone just looks like an enormous uh, neonate cranium from a human. And then, of course, you've got to, we've got to talk about the um, the cube scale law, uh, or the sorry, the cube. Yeah. The, um, so you know square cube law square cube law sorry yeah and how just having a giant troll wouldn't work with the same proportions as a human because as its kind of volume goes up to the power of of three the the kind of load-bearing um capabilities of a cross-section of bone goes up to the power of two and so the two are fundamentally incompatible past a certain amount of certain size and that's why elephants have enormous legs um because they have to carry so much bulk you can't have a hundred foot tall stone troll um with the same proportions as a human it just wouldn't work also why ants can carry 50 times their body weight it's not because they're exceptionally strong it's because they're exceptionally small Mm. yeah (sighs) but you know all these problems aside it was kind of quite a fun film i I think it's not a direct sequel but the same people did an earlier film called troll hunter i think it's called which um Mm -hmm doesn't have a paleontologist in it but explores some of the same kind of folklore of uh, a troll getting loose and being able to smell christians uh, and it was it's quite a fun ride as well i would recommend that if you liked this this one too what i thought was quite funny too was that the idea that he smelled christians and ate christians but all that only happened once throughout the entire so like everybody that was in the trench when he got eaten he was the only christian or he was the only one that was praying out loud so either there's they were making an assumption of the minority of Christians in Norway, which would oh, be that's a fairly safe assumption. I think there's lots of uh, yeah, you know, godless atheist uh, socialist heathens in in Scandinavia. Yes, that's true. And it's I just thought it was really interesting because I come from small town Canada, where the base assumption is that you're Christian, right? Like, and that's just it's just yeah. a base assumption, and you have to explain that you're not. So it was quite interesting to see that. Yeah, just Googled Christianity in Norway, and according to Wikipedia, 68.7% of the population officially belongs to the Evangelical Lutheran Church of Norway, but uh, it sounds like 
you have to opt out or you're automatically signed up by the church if your parents are Christian. Yeah. Uh, so only about 12% of the population regularly attends church services. Uh, and from what I know about Scandinavia, Scandinavia is a pretty uh, secular, yeah. a-religious, yeah. Uh, especially young people these days. You said 12%? Yeah. And there was five people in the trench and one person got eaten. What that is was, that? Uh, in 2004, uh, it was 12%. So that's about a 20%. I mean, that's yeah, okay. That's all right. That, that tracks. <laughs> yeah. And then that 12% probably would be even lower in terms of having your blood smell Christian because there's going to be people who belong to the church and say they're Christian but don't actually believe it or live it. And I think to have your blood Although smell like it, you probably have to like really believe it, right? The 12% is the people who actually go to church. The, right. the more pious, the, the, the worse your blood smells to a troll. Is that the, the way we're looking I at it? I would assume. Yeah. I would assume. <laughs> I assume that if you go to church but don't actually believe and you're just doing it for your parents, that you probably don't smell very Christian. Right. I wonder, is it to do with maybe um, how many hosts you've eaten? Like, is that what causes the, the stink to the troll? <laughs> like, if, you, if you eat them regularly, then that makes you smell worse. Who knows? How many what you've eaten? Hosts, like consecrated hosts, um, as part of the Isn't religious that ceremony. Catholic? It's also well, I don't know if it's Lutheran, but it's also um, in other like Church of England and Episcopalian, sort of more or less the same thing. But they they have that ceremony as well. Yeah, I grew up in the ev Evangelical Lutheran Church, and uh, yes, we do, we do that. Okay, well, they hmm. do that. I don't know anything about church. Uh, so it's like a. It's like a trophic level for for uh, <laughs> yeah. ritual cannibalism. The 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 concentration is increasing every time. Absolutely, he could smell your nitrogen uh, values. We could probably make a scatter plot. We could make a good scatter plot to show that. <laughs> but I know that. So I think it's a similar situation across all of Scandinavia. So uh, I remember reading when we lived in Denmark that the reason why official numbers are so high compared to actual poll numbers is that the the official st like state church for uh norway sweden denmark they they get a percentage of your taxes um if you are a member and that's why you have to go to quite a lot of trouble to to opt out because your tax dollars will go to the church that that is the official state church um unless you opt out of it so there's a massive um incentive for the churches to make that as difficult a process as possible. There you go. Always follow the money. Not exactly. Exactly. Get your answer. Okay. Um, I still have a one, a one inaccuracy I want to talk about. Let's circle back to that infant skull again, right? Because it's difficult to interpret when we're talking about a fantasy creature, but based on the skull, I'm going to say, and based on everything else, it's clearly a primate. This troll is a primate, even though it's very large. Uh, it's got Whoa, the post-orbital enclosure. Yes, but is it, if it's made out of rock and earth, then it's not even, it's definitely not mammal or anything. So how would it be, like it has, if it's not made of flesh, can it be a primate? I don't think so. I, my interpretation is that it's not made of rock until it gets struck by the sun and turns into rock. I'm saying it's a biological thing. They never clear this up. It's kind of like a major point of the movie, which is like, uh, there has to be a biological explanation for the mythology, and there's going to be somewhere in between. 
but then they never really clear it up. Mm. It's like, yes, it is a biological thing, but also it magically turns to rock in the sunlight. So they kind of leave that hanging. So my interpretation is that it's biological unless I get evidence otherwise, because it's got a skeleton. Uh, I'm interpreting that it is a primate somehow branches off of uh, primates. Uh, at least it grows and it has a skeleton. So the skeleton should grow the way mammal skeletons grow, right? The infant skull ha- looks a lot like a primate infant compared to the adult skulls we can see, right? It's got the bulbous forehead and the small face. It's very clearly an infant skull. Yeah. Uh, when he holds it in his hand later before it gets smashed, it's small enough to fit into the palm of his hand, which is, uh, I don't know exactly what size an infant skull is going to be, but it's pretty fine. That's neonatal, Mm -hmm. I would assume. Yeah. Yeah. So here's the problem with that. If we're assuming that it is a neonate, uh, it has a full set of teeth. (laughs) Yes. So obviously... Made it not human. Yeah. Well, humans are born with... A complete set of baby teeth, but they're inside the alveolus in the bone. They haven't erupted. And then, of course, they erupt within the first year. They start to erupt within the first year of life, right? But famously, everybody knows that baby humans don't have teeth when they're born sticking out of their gums. Well, and those were definitely troll teeth, too. They weren't human teeth. Yeah. But they were still clearly organized like they were pointy but they're still clearly organized according to the same mammal types of teeth so it had incisors and canines and premolars and molars i was paying very close attention (laughs) because as i say at the beginning of every episode i'm studying teeth (laughs) so yeah good point uh it it definitely had canines uh, a little bit longer than you would have for humans uh, even though they're all pointy uh, they stuck out like canines would, and it had uh, two. You can divide the the dental. You can divide the dentition into quadrants: the top and left and right, and bottom left and right. And in most animals, they're symmetrical. You have the same numbers of every type of tooth. At least in primates, you do mostly. So you've got two incisors per quadrant, and then one canine, and then two premolars, and then two molars. It didn't have the third molars, which would be wisdom teeth. So you could say maybe they have dentists who pull their wisdom teeth unnecessarily, just like humans do, or um, or it hadn't developed it yet because they come; they're, those are the last to come in, or they've lost them, or they yeah, or anagenesis. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes they just don't come in. Uh, okay, so the thing about this is that your uh, most mammals also have two sets of teeth: the baby teeth that fall out, and then the adult teeth come in behind. But the baby set of teeth is fewer in number than the adult set it doesn't have the molars so you've only got two incisors one canine and two premolars this one had two molars behind the premolars which indicates that it has a complete set of adult teeth apart from the the wisdom teeth the third molars and also once the adult teeth start coming in you know you're baby teeth fall out one at a time and are replaced by adult teeth. So there's never a point when you've got a complete set of uh, teeth once your adult teeth start coming in. So if it has adult molars behind, that means it's going to be missing some of the anterior teeth uh, because it's going to be losing teeth as the adult teeth replace it. So we have a problem because we have an infant skull that seems to very clearly have a complete set of adult teeth. 
I think this is only a problem if if it was supposed to be representing a human. So if we if we make some assumptions about troll evolution, so it, one, it has a tail. So it has a tail, but that's something we see all through the film. Uh, two, it has three, uh, four toes in total, four or three fingers and a thumb in total. I don't know if you guys saw that throughout the film. So it's lost. It's like uh, it's pinkies and it's pinky toes at some point. So there's clearly been, a, as well as enormous size and strange biochemistry that reacts to UV light, um, et cetera, et cetera. There's obviously been a lot of um, uh, divergence away from the, the kind of ancestral human troll um, ancestor. So maybe we're, we're talking about one of the, maybe one of the um, evolutionary novelties it's come up with is that it's born with a full set of adult teeth and that it doesn't, it has not, doesn't grow um, uh, wisdom teeth. And there's there's your solution. I mean, what is its diet? That's what we need to know as well. Does it only eat like Christians. soft, squishy Christians? Yeah. Yeah. But to be born with a full set of teeth, especially at that small of a size, like the allometry from or the ontogeny from um, the infant to the adult okay. size, you would end up with a tiny, tiny little jaw on That's this true. huge troll, right? Or massive diastema between each of your tiny teeth. Hmm. Yeah. Do any animals, I don't think any animals are born with their adult teeth, right? Because I don't see how, like, I don't think that that would ever provide no. an advantage because the advantage is also having another set come in, right? So if you break them or something, then you're, you get another. I mean, maybe those dodge. are its baby, baby teeth and it, and it, you know, it, later on it gets That's another set. That's what I set. would think is that, yeah, that the baby teeth just look adult. Um, almost all mammals have two sets of teeth, but mice only have one set and i don't know if it's the baby set that they keep or if it's the adult set that they keep but, but they the do mice only have are one ones that have the ones that continuously grow right the rodents yeah. their incisors continuously uh, grow so well their incisors do i don't think their canines they're not their molars do some of their molars i think are um constantly growing not in mice but in in voles i think the the, the teeth the molars as well as the incisors constantly grow um just I know that with some of the rats and, and mice, they have uh, roots, like your typical kind of, what is it, tribosphenic roots or whatever they're called, like three, you know, prongs that, that go into the alveolus. Whereas with the voles, they have an open root and it, it looks like it's continuously growing um, as they, they grind up. But what is, what is that called? Is that called hystricomorphy or have I misremembered that? What's it called when you have um, continuous growth of teeth? Uh, is that hypsodont? Hypsodont. Horses are hypsodont. That's right. Um, the other thing about mice is that they are very short-lived. So teeth, um, even like horses' hypsodont teeth, don't could grow forever. Uh, their molars sort of continue to erupt, and they have very tall teeth. But eventually, they do wear out. Uh, mice are very short-lived, so they don't wear out their teeth in their life, which is why it doesn't really matter. Uh, but certainly a troll who is going to be alive for thousands of years is going to have a problem with wearing out its teeth over its lifetime, unless it's only eating very soft, squishy Christians, in which it's probably not going to wear down its teeth very much. I think I solved it, though. We can, we can work out this uh, troll phylogeny, I think. Mm -hmm. Okay, so if we're comparing it to humans or apes, the way there's an order to uh, 
tooth eruption, which is that all of the baby teeth come in, then the first adult molar comes in, then all of the baby teeth are replaced from front to back, more or less, starting with the incisors, and then after all those baby teeth are replaced, the second molar comes in, and then after that, the third molar comes in. Uh, With other apes, the order is a little more disrupted. So you have the first molar coming in, and then you have... Uh, the second molar coming in sort of partway through the eruption of the front molars. But if you go to earlier, not earlier, but um, more basal uh, mammals, you get to the point where you have the all the baby teeth come in, then all three molars come in, and then all the baby teeth are replaced from front to back. So what we can see here is that we have all the baby teeth coming in, plus two adult molars coming in before the baby teeth have been replaced. Uh, so this just shows us that our troll is branching off of the primate lineage farther down into monkeys, which also explains why it has a tail, because monkeys have tails. So our troll is a monkey. It's not an ape. There we go. Mm-hmm. Cool. Great. That makes sense. And it's just convergently I agree. Um, evolved human-like traits. Uh, although it is still a very small neonatal skull, and the the uh, tooth eruption would suggest that it is a sort of a later child, uh, but we can chalk that up to uh, developmental timing differences, I suppose. Yeah. Could also be that because he was the king, maybe he's quite a bit larger than the average male, like a silverback. So or maybe inbred. the child. Or yes, <laughs> if he's so, the king, then um, quite likely he is inbred. Yeah. <laughs> so, so maybe the child is always was always going to end up being a bit smaller, an adult size, right? You don't know what the social, like what the the population looks like, hmm. or sexual dimorphism could have been a girl. You could have uh, po- polymorphism, like in orangutans, where you have uh, males and female sexual dimorphism, but you also have uh, dimorphism yeah. within the males, where uh, the uh, sort of uh, what would it be called in orangutan society? Like the patriarch male develops these big yeah, face flanges, and yeah, 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 I didn't want to say alpha male because that's not a real thing, but <laughs> well, the big daddy, yeah, the big daddy. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's the same with the gorillas, like the leader, the dominant male is the larger, larger one. Um, what I was going to say is that they can't, it can't be that they have teeth developed for the eating soft Christians because trolls were around a lot longer than Christians. So they would have had to have a food source. That's true. That's true. What did they eat before Christians would have just then? been a treat that came later. Yeah. <laughs> uh. I find it really interesting how we are talking about a movie about a troll and a paleontologist, and we got into that detailed information about dentition. <laughs> it's great. That's my favorite thing to do on this podcast. <laughs> okay, here's one more thing I wanted to get into, which is not explicit in the movie, but um, because the movie is sort of looking at the connection between biology and folklore, uh, what do you guys think about these ideas that folklore uh creatures from folklore can sort of be explained by sightings of cryptids and i guess in this case particularly there's an idea uh, which i don't know if you've heard floating around the internet that uh stories about trolls and dwarves that we have from northern europe and other uh, parts of europe come from the idea that uh, these are stories that uh, have been passed down for like thirty thousand years from when humans 
modern humans interacted with Neanderthals, and these are actually descriptions of Neanderthals. What do you guys think about that? Well, I, mean, I think it's interesting, and it can go back to that movie that we watched about Flores, right? Because the folklore around this area isn't about um, humanoids that look like Neanderthals. It's about smaller individuals like Luzonensis and um, Floresiensis. So, I mean, it, it could be. What, what do you think, Chris? I mean, it's definitely interesting. Um, and you think about you know places where you have folklore first, and then you find the real creature. So, you know, the mountain gorilla um, that was known through folklore mm-hmm. before it was found. Uh, the Okapi as well, uh, another kind of late um, found mammal that was identified. Uh, the um, Seola as well. All, these are all kind of cryptids that were that were known folklorically before they were um, identified by actual remains. I think the, the issue with that is that one, 30, 40,000 years is a hell of a long time. And also, I, I don't know if there's, I'm pretty sure there's no Neanderthal fossils found in all of kind of Northern Scandinavia. I don't even know and you guys will be able to tell me, I'm sure, if there's even, you know, uh, Mysterian or uh, other kind of lithics from that region that would suggest that they ever lived there. I don't know of anything from Scandinavia, no, no Neanderthals, no lithics. Um, that's mostly because this region would have most of the time been covered by glaciers yeah. during the time Neanderthals were alive. And in the interglacial periods, if they did move up there, once the glaciers uh, uh, expanded again, they would have wiped away much of the landscape. Yeah. So uh, anything that was li- living there during the Pleistocene is probably going to be hard to find evidence of it. Yeah. I mean, definitely it's in- interesting, but I think there's there's if we're going to go through that route, then we don't have to invoke Neanderthals to explain it. You have, we already have creatures which we know live in Norway and Sweden, which live in caves, which are large and terrifying and look a bit like people, and bears. I mean, bears are a good thing to be scared of in, in kind of caves and, and uh, forests and places like that. Um, and they would be a good explanation for why we humans generally tend to be uh, quite uh, terrified of, of um, caves in the dark, because a bear might be there that would eat us. Yep. It's also pretty easy to just imagine a human and then imagine an ugly, scary human and tell a story about that without there being any truth to it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And we have those all through human history. There's even ugly people around today. I mean, it's, it's, I know. it's shocking, but Still, true. The oldest fairy tale is supposed to be said to be about 6,000 years old called um, The Smith and the Devil. So... If that's the oldest one that we have evidence for, it's 6,000. Oral history could go back, you know, I would say at least 15,000. Yeah, and definitely, you know, the some of the um, the cave art from, from Australia and its relation to, to modern-day Aboriginal Australians suggest that the, the kind of uh, culture has been continuous for, for at least 40 or 50,000 years. So it's not, I mean, it very mm-hmm. much depends how... Um, cultural transmission of, of knowledge is approached. I mean, in kind of Western societies, we, we assume that that uh, oral transmission is one of the least trustworthy ways of of, um, of transferring knowledge. But in, in other societies, you know, where where people are used to it and are are trained to it, and that's their um, their main method of knowledge transfer, it can be very um, very uh, what's the word 
Reliable. Reliable. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah, it can be very reliable and very um, fidelious, if that's even a word. Yeah. High fidelity. And and I mean, with fairy tales too, is it? Yours, it's not really about the details or the facts. It's about the moral and the story, right? Mm-hmm. And a good story is hard to kill. So. Yeah. All right. So, what are our final thoughts about the movie Troll? I liked it. I would say people should watch it. It's it's a good, entertaining movie. Yeah, I think it's fun. Uh, you just have to kind of get carried along by it. It's not, and don't yeah. stop to think about um, mm-hmm. tooth ontology. Uh, just, just kind of yeah. power, power <laughs> through it to Whatever the end. Whatever you do, don't think about it. <laughs> tooth ontology. And it's got lots of nice, you know, nice little bits in it that that are, that are quite yeah. fun. Uh, I didn't mention, but at the end, when when it's kind of just finishing, and you, you hear the kind of roar in the mountain suggesting there's another troll, it kind of cuts to. Uh, a piece of very famous classical music, which is one of my favorites, which is uh, by Grieg, who's a Norwegian composer, who was a Norwegian composer, and it's the the Hall of the Mountain King, which is about trolls in the mountain. So you know, it does um, it does have some kind of uh, smarts about it. There are some kind of nice witty touches um, throughout the film as well, mm-hmm. which is good. Yeah, I liked it. I think one of the things about it is that it's clearly built on a lot of Norwegian cultural knowledge where I think they they talk about all these like old fairy tales and these authors and they're like, of course, everybody knows about this. We learn about this in grade school. And they're like, I have to look up this guy. One of them was (laughs) um, uh, Theodore Kittelsen is one they talk about all the time, right? And so I looked him up and there's a lot of like troll drawings, which I'm sure I've seen before, like that one, the drawing that they keep showing in the uh, movie of the giant troll standing in the middle of the town square, right? And so apparently this, uh, this artist uh, is very famous in Norway and not very well known outside of Norway uh, for drawing these uh, mostly lots of fantasy pictures of trolls and things like that. So I think there's a lot of just sort of like, background knowledge in in Norway that would sort of contribute to the experience. I also think that might have to do with the low rating on IMDb that it's got of about 5.8 out of 10. I think it was better than that. Yeah. I feel like it was a solid action movie. Uh, but all the um, reviews are talking about how uh, it's so bland and not you know nothing unique it just draws from all these uh hollywood movies and takes like the most basic boring stuff about trolls and they're comparing it to troll hunter which you mentioned they say that's a way better movie but uh not about paleontology so we can't review it i guess (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean i guess if you if you're in norway and trolls like the troll folklore is a big part of your life then that would be might be boring aspects of it but for like a canadian i don't hear nearly enough about trolls in my daily life so i quite enjoyed hearing more (laughs) if you've been enjoying screens of the stone age get in touch with us follow us on twitter at sotsa underscore podcast and on facebook at sotsa podcast or send us an email to screens of the stone age at gmail.com Screens of the Stone Age is supported by the Paleoanthropological Society of Canada. Find out more at pasc-scpa.ca.